Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year to all of you at Bolingbrook, everybody at 95th Street campus, uh, Wheaton campus, Hobson campus. Friends, 2019 is going to be a fantastic year. Man, do I believe that. Part of why I am so filled with anticipation is uh, this Explore God Chicago initiative. I mean, can I give you just a bit of an update? The number of participating churches has risen to 810. I mean, this is unprecedented. Churches, which tend to divide and say, you know, stay away, you know, coming together, celebrating our unity in Christ and saying, we want to we wanna together unite in this great initiative to help people who are spiritually exploring find Christ. It is going to be so fun. So think about it. Next week, 810 churches and all these nervous pastors, you know, because new folks will be here. And I do challenge you to invite guests and friends to this new series. It's just going to be a moment throughout our great metropolis where God's going to be bringing people to him. In addition to the seven-week series that begins next week and running simultaneously are these Explore God discussion groups. And I have been blown away at the uprising of all of you, you know, eager to see God use you where people not only hear me preach about the truth, but maybe better yet, to discuss the truth in a group context. We have 279 Explore God discussion groups that are taking off next week. Just amazing. I've got one. I am so excited. I'm actually partnering with some neighbors and friends who go to our church. And together we are inviting folks. And it's going to be full of people far from God. I'm actually nervous. You're like, oh, great, Jeff. If you're nervous, I'm scared to death. Well, good. By our nerves, it'll drive us to our knees, praying that God would give us love and patience, grace, clarity, just the right words to say, just the right listening. In fact, uh, this need for prayer is so on my heart. Can we pause and pray right now for all the uh, Explore God discussion group leaders and hosts, as well as those who are inviting folks to the series as well. God, your work, we see it already. There's no way 810 churches agree to work together to do something like this. This is your work, and God, continue your work. Let your power flow, Lord. In all 810 churches, may new folks respond to invitation and come to this series. May the thousands of discussion groups in the next seven weeks, meeting in homes and restaurants and businesses, may they each be anointed with a sense of your presence and love. And God, would you use this, please? We ask you. We, our prayer joins with the prayers of all these churches. Would you bless this humble initiative to bring many people to you and to advance your cause in undeniable and exciting ways? We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 2019, uh, coming to it filled with excitement for Explore God Chicago, and then maybe a not as spiritual reason. There's a little football game today you may be aware of. The Chicago Bears are in the playoffs, baby, and boy, is it exciting. I mean, we were so bad last year, and suddenly one season later, uh, do you know the Bears have the number one defense in the NFL right now? And you, you say, well, how can that be? How can you go from so bad 
to so good? Well, I, I, though there are many players who deserve credit, one of them that's at the very top, at least in my mind, is this guy, Khalil Mack. You may be aware the Bears, right before the season began, made this trade with the Oakland Raiders and got this young man. Now, he's as good as a Gets, and he got a salary that uh, is in line with that. His contract was the highest ever for an NFL defensive player. $141 million contract. Can you believe that? And the man is amazing. I mean, look at the muscles. On, I mean, my arms aren't like that, just for the record. I don't know. <laughs> it's so interesting. Khalil is very gentle and soft-spoken, very kind, shy, reserved. That is, until he gets on the football field where, we be, where he eats quarterbacks for lunch. I mean, the guy can penetrate an offensive line like nobody's business. And it's just amazing. Here's, here's a question for you. How do you explain athletic excellence like that? Some of you would say, well, genetics. I mean, God bless this guy genetically. There's no doubt of that. But the genetic explanation is insufficient to explain all of, of this. A further explanation can be found in this picture. This is a picture of Khalil's family that he grew up in, or mom's not in the picture. He and his three brothers. This is Khalil Mack when he was a kid. This is his dad, Sandy, his older brother, Sandy Jr., and his little, <laughs> isn't that cute, peeking out from behind dad's arm. His little brother's name is Ladarius. And Khalil Mack would say, all I have I owe to my dad and my upbringing. Mom and dad, solid Christians, leaders in their church, married for 30 years. And dad was, is, is presently working with troubled youth in a juvenile delinquent facility. He used to bring his boys to work and help his boys serve these troubled youth. And then afterwards, his dad would say, boys, don't let that be your destiny. He would challenge them to envision what their lives could be. He would call them to set goals for excellence and say, guys, rise up, shoot for the stars. Dad, one of the quotes Khalil Mack has of his father, his dad would say, son, I don't care what career path you take, but whatever it is, do it well. Do it very well. I think Khalil has followed his dad's advice there. But not only did dad challenge him to high aspirations, dad told them, it's one thing to have a goal, but you've got to train to achieve your goal. Invest in training, kids. And physical training was part of the family. Dad is a huge, strong dude. And you can tell from the picture, they're all flexing their muscles as little kids because they did push-ups and pull-ups and sit-ups when they were young. Khalil Mack uh, did training in high school for basketball. Isn't that ironic? That was his sport. He played basketball his first three years of high school. And he not only did all the shooting drills, he went to the weight room believing if his body was stronger, he'd be a better basketball player. Well, he got huge. And before his senior year, the football coach came up to him at his high school and said, Khalil, you're playing the wrong sport. And he goes, I love basketball. And the coach said, look in the mirror, son. God made you to be a football player. And so he played football for the first time his senior year of high school. Did incredibly well, but no colleges recruited him. 
He had friends on the football team that got recruited with huge scholarships to big schools. And nobody was interested in him until this one assistant coach of a Christian college, relatively small school, made note of this young man and believed everybody had missed a hidden gem. And he recruited uh, Khalil, and eventually Khalil said, all right, I'll do it. I'll go to your school. And then it got a little weird when the coach said, oh, this is strange. You've committed to join me at my college. Well, I just got hired at the University of Buffalo to coach there, a bigger school. How about you come with me there? And that's what he did. He played at the University of Buffalo incredibly well, drafted high to the Oakland Raiders, and then God led Khalil to the Chicago Bears. And we are blessed by this man. The coaches say that nobody trains harder than Khalil Mack. When it comes to the weight room, when it comes to studying film, when it comes to pouring over the playbook, he invests today what's needed to win tomorrow. Now, some of you are like, Jeff, you do know we're at a church service, right? And you're supposed to be teaching us the Bible. I do know that. And if you think I'm being unchristian by discussing athletic performance, about an athlete who invests in goal-setting and training, I'm here to tell you, I'm being very biblical. In fact, God loves sports. I know that because in his book, he calls us to study sports and to learn from the athlete. Because in athletic training, there is something God wants to teach us about spiritual growth. And the passage I'm so excited to study with you is 1 Corinthians 9. If you want to read along in the Bible we provide in the CPAC, you'll find it on page 1149, 1149. When, when I saw that I had a single standalone message before we get to Explore God Chicago, I'm like, what do I want to preach on? I love this passage. I have for a long time. And so I'm excited to share it with you. 1 Corinthians 9, 24. Paul writes... Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everybody who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. And I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You may note that Paul is speaking of the Olympic Games. Football, American football, was not around in Paul's day. The dominant sport in, in Corinth, which is in Greece, was the Olympics. And so this call for us to study a professional athlete is God's plan for us to understand spiritual growth. And what I'd like to point out is I see in this text four essentials that we can learn from the athlete that are needed if this year, 2019, is going to be a year of spiritual growth for you and for me. You ready? Here they are. The first is goals. You know, isn't this a good message for New Year's resolution-oriented people? Here we go. It said, don't you know that in a race, all the runners run to be in the race to participate, eh. but only one gets the prize. You should run in such a way as to get the prize. What that's saying is that participation is not enough. 
Victory should be the goal. And that applies to the Christian life. Many Christians are satisfied to be in the race. Saying, hey, listen, I'm on God's team. I'm a Christian. Isn't that enough? Why do I need to do it well and be victorious? The difference, if you allow me to get theological for a moment, is the difference between salvation and sanctification. Salvation is the concept of how you get on God's team, how you get in the game. Salvation is how you become a Christian. Turning to God and saying, listen, I'm no longer going to try to impress you with my moral excellence. Instead, I'm going to lean on Jesus. Jesus, be my Savior. Forgive my sin. Take my life. In a moment, in an instant, as a gift that you don't deserve, you are saved and become a Christian, part of God's team. Some people say, that's enough. I'm in. I don't care how the rest goes. No, you should care. The rest is called sanctification. That's the journey in life from the moment we're become a Christian, till we die and go to heaven. And God's plan is for you to be sanctified, which means to be grow in holiness, to be more like Jesus, to live a life of excellence. And friends, you shouldn't be satisfied for just being on God's team. You should have an athletic mindset that says, hey, listen, if I'm going to do this thing, the Christian life, well, I'm going to play to win. I want to soar. I want to grow. Paul is, is calling out, God through Paul is calling out, come on, Christian, are you just content with mediocrity? Are you okay with ending up at death saying, well, I was on the team, I did poorly, but no. You should have this hunger. Listen, God would not challenge you to run to win if you couldn't, with his help, run to win. You can. It's yours for the taking. Live a life of spiritual growth close to God reflecting his character to the world, impacting others for him. This can be yours. Make it your goal. As I look at this new year, if I just maintain my spiritual life over 2019, I will be so disappointed. I want to win. And I hope you do too. So goals are the first thing. What's the second thing? Training. Uh, Friends, look at this. Everyone who competes in the games, that's the Olympic games, they go into strict training. And boy, is that true. Have you ever heard about the training that Olympic athletes go through in order to get what? It's unbelievable. And Paul says, they do this training. They work so hard and discipline themselves so much for a crown that will not last. We do it for a crown that will last forever. The crown, uh, you know, in the ancient Olympics, they didn't get a gold medal as they do today. They got a crown, a laurel, a wreath of vegetation on their head that would rot away eventually. And, and Paul's point is, shouldn't excellence in training like that for some, some thing that really doesn't matter, shouldn't that make us realizing that our reward is so much more? Shouldn't we out-train them? Makes sense. When I say our reward, our crown... The Bible speaks of an event in heaven called the Bema. And this is a reference, actually, to the Olympic platform where the award ceremony took place. And there will be an award ceremony in heaven where Christians who have lived with excellence of devotion and sacrifice to the eternal cause of their God, they will be rewarded. And those who have not won't be rewarded as much. 
And Paul says, in light of this, you should say, Lord, I want to train. I want to train like nobody's business. Now, this training is so important because most Christians, instead of training, they try. There's a big difference between trying and training. Did you know that? You can try to do something, and that's using all of the uh, resources you have at your disposal at this moment, all your willpower to do something. Or you can train to do something, which recognizes that I don't have what I need now, but if I engage in certain exercises today, that will prepare me tomorrow to be able to do what I cannot do today. That's training. And God has called the Christian journey of discipleship to be a training lifestyle where we've got certain spiritual exercises in our lives that help us to soar. Training, trying, this is so helpful because some people think training sounds so hard. No, I'm here to tell you, trying is so hard. If you get all fired up, this year I'm going to be a better husband, a better wife, a better Christian father, mother. I'm going to be more patient. Yeah, go for it. You know, trying just doesn't work. We fall flat. But training will change you, mark you, enable you to do what you cannot do today. An example. So many of you were at our Christmas Eve service. If you were here on time, or actually a little early, you would have seen a goofy video I did of me playing the keyboard, trying to get our worship team to name that tune, Christmas tune. Some of you have told me, Jeff, you were just goofing around. You weren't really trying to play those songs. Oh, no, I was trying. I was trying to, I, no, I was thinking, how does that tune go? Kind of up and then down, and the keyboard, you know, is up and down. I was trying my very best, and it was pathetic. <laughs> trying doesn't cut it. If you want to become a pianist, you must train. Only through training will you find the ability to do this. If you want to run a marathon, if you say, oh, I got so much, I got this like competitive athletic fire in me, so I'm just going to go run a marathon. Without training, how will that go? Terribly. The only way is to train. And so it is with the Christian life. Jesus invites us into a lifestyle of discipleship, of training, where we daily, regularly engage in activities according to his plan that will mold us. The Holy Spirit will meet us in those activities and change us. You say, what are these exercises, these training spiritual exercises? Well, a great way to start is the four priorities of our church. Let me remind you of them. Remember the pursue, connect, serve, reach? Friends, these are spiritual exercises. I don't know if you've thought of them in that light. The first one, pursue him daily. Many of us have this routine every day. Maybe it's 15 minutes. Maybe it's half an hour. We spend some time in Bible reading and prayer. We're pursuing the face of God each day. We're seeking to connect with God through those means. That will change you. That's why we do it. It's because there's a benefit that comes. Remember Moses wanted to pursue God. He climbed up Mount Sinai and he said, Lord, I want to meet with you. He came off the mountain glowing, transformed, and so will we if our lives are marked by this habit of pursuing God through Bible and prayer. In fact, uh, we're so serious about these four priorities that 
we want to monitor as leaders, we want to monitor, are we growing in them? These others we can monitor a little easier. This is a tough one to monitor. The only way we know if we're growing is if you tell us whether you're doing this or not. So I'd like to pause for a moment and ask you to help us leaders by filling out the shortest survey ever. One question, all right? I'll put it on the screen here. You'll see it's just a question of your Bible reading habits. And your honesty is what we need. Lying on this won't impress God or help us, okay? So... uh, You may say, well, I fall between one of these. Pick the number that best represents your present habits, whichever one's closest to how you are. Some would say, I read the Bible daily. And so in the the connection card, everybody grab a connection card, if you will. Uh, All of our campuses, I'm looking at you over at 95th, do this. Uh, In the little rectangle on the bottom, write the number five, if you would say, I read the Bible daily, or four, if more, it's more like weekly, Less than weekly, almost never, and never. You don't have to write your name on it if you're like, I don't want anyone to know uh, how bad it is. Well, that's fine. Don't write your name. Just put the number, fold it so your spouse can't see it or tell you you're lying. And uh, now, once you've done that, would you mind passing it to the end of the rows? And I invite the ushers at this point to come and collect these cards. This information is so helpful for us to know whether we're growing and if our plan is working. All right. Well, now I want to go uh, to the next slide, which, again, so far I've only talked about one exercise, pursue him daily. The second exercise is connect in groups. Friends, we just tell again and again the importance of groups, and that's why I'm so excited about 279 new Explore God discussion groups. Why is group life an exercise? Because those who engage in it grow... And those who don't, don't grow. I mean, it's that simple. There's something about Christian community gathered together. Christians encourage one another, challenge one another, inspire one another by their example, teach one another through Bible discussion. I have just seen, and as I've watched Christians for so long, those who are connected in a group tend to grow, and those who are disconnected from Christian community tend to flounder spiritually. So get in a group. In fact, uh, there are still Explore God discussion groups that you can uh, find out. Go to, out to uh, Compass Central and say, hey, how do I get in a group? And we'll get you in one. Serve in teams. Now, this is counterintuitive. Some would say, no, when you serve in teams, it's all about the people you serve being benefited, not you. Well, it's true, we benefit those we serve, but I'm here to tell you, those who serve find that the serving leads to them growing the most. Who grows the most from the sermons I preach? I do. You know, I remember when I got in the game, I had never served as a young man, never in the church. And I found out that the junior high ministry was looking for some help. And I got involved in junior high ministry and had this burden to help these young people see God and grow. My effort to serve them spurred on more growth in me than anything else had up until that point. Get in the game. Out of the stands, onto the field, onto the team of servers, and you will grow as a result of your serving. Again, Compass Central, you can find out more about how to get on a serving team. And then lastly, reach your neighbors. This is about Explore God Chicago, inviting people to church and helping people find life with God. 
And you say, that, that's not about you growing. That's about them finding Christ. It's about them finding Christ. You're right. But I have found that those who are on the front line of fighting for the salvation of souls, they come alive. And those who distance themselves from that, working with people far from God, those who haven't been around a non-believer for a long time, and they just tend to grow cold. You need to get out there on the front lines of fighting for those who need to know Christ, and you will grow the, the reality of the gospel and the good news of what Christ has done on the cross will be so real to you as you see others find that life they've been looking for. Just makes Christians grow. So, training. I wonder. People say to me, I'm just stagnant spiritually. I, I pull out the four priorities. Are you engaged in these four spiritual uh, exercises? Oh, no, not those. Look no further, friends. All right, next slide. So we've got training. We've got goals, training, and then focus. Verse 26 says this. Therefore, Paul says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. He's using imagined imagery of, of an athlete doing it poorly. And saying, come on, athletes don't do it like that. I don't run like someone running aimlessly. Running aimlessly, that's just, you know, someone, you know. And Paul's like, that's not how a professional athlete works. A professional athlete, every step is calculated and intentional in the direction of the goal. An athlete doesn't waste energy and time meandering. Right? A boxer, a boxer doesn't beat the air, you know. No, a boxer is intentional. Every punch is directed towards the goal of winning the fight. And that's how an athlete works. There's no space or time for goofing around an aimless waste of energy. And that should be our mindset as well. That's the focus we need. If we're going to grow in Christ, if we're going to do these training exercises to a fruitful end, it's going to require us to focus on this task. There's so much in this world to distract us. This is a problem for me. I have like a boundless curiosity. And as a result, I find myself researching and reading these rabbit troll topics. I'm like, no, rabbit troll topics. I'm like, no, I can't stop it. Uh, for example, uh, I've realized I need to choose to be ignorant on certain topics, which drives me crazy, but I just have to or to be incompetent at certain activities because I can't do it all. Like my dad is a financial uh, banker in his career, and he'll sometimes start to talk finances with me, and I'm like, blah, 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 don't understand a word you're saying, pops. And it's disappointing to him, I'm sure, and I suppose to me as well. But listen, I could become a master of finance, but I'll, I'll have to say no to something else. And so the athlete understands that every step, every punch needs to be towards the goal. And so they're going to have to not be aimless, but direct and focus their limited time and energy on the achieving of the goal. And so what do you need to say no to in order to create bandwidth in your life to ensure that you accomplish that which is most important? And each of us have a unique calling, both career-wise, but if you're a Christian, a big part of your calling is spiritual growth. Make sure you prioritize 
and focus on that achievement this coming year. Lastly, discipline. And by discipline here, I mean self-discipline, all right? If you're going to grow spiritually and engage consistently in these training exercises, you need to be disciplined. Are you disciplined? The Apostle Paul says, no, I strike a blow to my body and I make it, my body, my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Paul's like, how ironic would I be is if in preaching to others to win the race and do great, I failed. Paul's like, that'd be terrible. So I've got to be disciplined. Now this is strange language. What does he mean I strike a blow to my body? I beat my body. That's a reference to what an athlete does in denying his body the chance to wimp out. You know, uh, the body is saying, stop lifting weights. No, stop. Sorry, body. We're going to do this. You know, the, the alarm clock goes off and the body screams, press snooze, go back to sleep. You know, and the disciplined person says, sorry, body, you lose. And it gets out of bed. Uh, in fact, I love this phrase. I make my body my slave. Our body, one of the ways scripture refers to it is the fleshly desires. All of us have fleshly desires. You can let your fleshly desires be your master. And whenever the flesh cries out, ooh, eat that, do that, watch that. You say, okay, okay. No, you want the flesh to be your slave where the spirit of God is your master. Do you see that? Friends, that's how you grow in discipline. Uh, You grow in discipline through self-denial, through reminding your fleshly desire, sorry, you're not in charge. I'm going to do what I need to do to become the person God's called me to be. And you, flesh, are not going to rule the roost. Now, an example of this would be someone in our church gave me a Christmas present, and they know my love language, which is chocolate. This is a Fannie Mae box of chocolates, and I was like, oh. And I've had it in my truck on the passenger seat for the last couple of weeks. You're like, that's not a good idea, Jeff. I don't know what led them to give this to me, if it was the Holy Spirit or Satan, but it's been incredibly difficult. <laughs> Because I smell the chocolate. It's just coming my way as I drive. And what I've said is, listen, once a day, at the end of a hard day, you can kind of reward yourself with one piece of chocolate. That's been the goal. There have been a few moments where I've lost it. (laughs) But mostly, this little thing has been a good discipline-building exercise. Because I'll have one... And I'll smell it going, oh, it smells so, I'll even do it now. Oh. And watch this, closing the box and not eating one. Right there, I grew. I grew in discipline. Every time the flesh screamed, and it did, you didn't hear it, but I heard it, eat one. And every time I say, no, and close the box, I'm denying the flesh and growing in self-discipline. Now, if you deny the flesh, you'll grow in discipline. If you feed the monster, you will get weaker in discipline. And so we need to look for opportunities to do practice self-denial and grow in self-discipline 
uh, for victory over sin and for faithfulness in the training exercises that lead to godliness and Christian growth. And so, friends, here you've got it. It's laid out, this athletic imagery. Be inspired by the Bears game today to grow spiritually because the athletic performance lays out God's plan. Goal setting. Are you content with this being a mediocre year for you spiritually? I hope not. Training. Lord, what do I need to do this year, every day or every week that will help me become the kind of man, woman, child that I need to be in Christ? Focus. Lord, how do I simplify my life and focus all of my limited energy towards accomplishing these goals through training and discipline? Lord, I got to grow in discipline. Please teach me with the help of your spirit to deny the flesh and learn how to make decisions based on what's right, not based on what I want in the moment. And friends, with this plan, don't try harder this year. Follow God's plan and may you experience spiritual growth like never before. May this year be for all of us a year of flourishing in our love for God our character shining to reflect Christ, our impact in the lives of others like nothing before in life. May this year be for you a year of victory in your walk with Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage. How fun that we can look at athletics and learn a bit about how you grow people. God, I cry out on behalf of the Compass Church at all of our campuses. Make us a church of growth. We don't want to be those who are just slugging through in mediocrity. We want to flourish. Lord, you've taught us. Now help us put into practice what we've learned. We're excited to grow this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.